Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? It's good to see all of you. Hey, real quick question. Uh, can you remember how you came to faith in Jesus? Can you remember? Uh, I've been asking that question a lot to different people, and I've heard uh, a number of different reasons why people have come to faith. One is because, uh, you know, they got invited to a church service. Anybody in the room say, hey, I was invited to the vineyard. This is kind of where I discovered grace and met Jesus. Anybody in the room identify with that? Okay, a couple of you. I like how you're like, eh, not really, but uh, how about... Uh, somebody, you know, you, you, maybe your mother, your father, or a grandparent, somebody who, who was involved in your childhood shared, shared the message of Jesus in your childhood. Anybody also say that? Okay, a lot of you. Yeah, that's actually statistically, like, more people come to faith before the age of 18, and even more so before 13, than in other, other demographics. It's very interesting. But the point is, I think, that everybody here, if you came to faith, would you agree that somebody shared the message of Jesus with you, right? Like somebody shared the gospel. That's what we, we refer to it, the good news about, about Jesus in some way, shape, or form. Well, we're in this sermon series right now that we're calling Ancient Ferment, and we've been exploring a variety of different values that are from the the ancient church, the, the early church, and then also um, for the present, and then also for the future. Basically, what we've been doing is we've been looking at different things that, that uh, caused the early church to grow and to multiply, and things that are not just relevant to the church of 2,000 years ago, but they're relevant for us today, and they're also going to be relevant for the future of the church. And I don't know about you, but uh, the last year has been kind of interesting because it's been up and down emotionally. Anybody connect with that? Like one day is good, the next day is bad, one day is good, the next day is a little weird, right? And it's all over the map. But um, as of late, I, I must tell you that I've actually had an increasing amount of hope for the future of the church because if anything has happened over the last year, churches have had to be really creative in pivoting in how they do church, right? We've had to be really creative in thinking about what is the church. How many of you, by a sign of amen, would agree that the church is not a building, what is it? The people, right? It's the people, the community of people makes up the church. And so in many ways, I feel like we have been learning and we've been exploring about what it means to be the church, and that's all good uh, indeed. And so last week, we discussed the topic of healing. We actually explored um, how important healing was to the early church. We looked at it through the lens of Scripture, how it was really prominent in the early church's commitment to doing ministry, uh, and then we saw that it's relevant today, and this, this is really amazing. I think we need to just recognize, last week we had numerous people experience miraculous healing, and that is a, a, a huge thing that we want to see happen more, amen? So there were multiple people throughout this week who said, hey, somebody came and prayed for me at the end of the service, and I experienced healing, and we want more of that, amen? Like we do. And so this week I want to talk about another subject, and it's the dreaded E-word, evangelism. Like, I was thinking more and more about how evangelism is so scary. It's so scary. And, and I've had these times in my life where, where there's certain people that I just feel like I want to share the message of Jesus with them. But, and I'll even do this. Like, I'll, I'll get psyched. Do you ever psych yourself up for it or anything? Like, okay. Like, Monday, I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm going to be praying for this person. And I'm going to like, I'm going to read a couple books this week too, figure out how to like answer all their questions. And I'm praying and I'm reading and I'm, 
and I'm like planting little seeds, and then when it gets to the point where you're actually interacting, all of a sudden the pit of your stomach just gets full of butterflies, and you totally choke. Anybody ever do that? It's like, oh, next time. <laughs> and it's like, it's, I, I feel that. And, and so I think when we think about evangelism, it's tough sometimes because I grew up in, a, in an environment, and even though it was in the vineyard, I also was around different church people where it was like you had to memorize the five spiritual laws or you had to, like, get the right track. Anybody ever pass out tracks in the room? Yeah, okay. Like, those are the people that are over 50. Just say hi to them. But, like, but there were all these different ways to do it, and I always felt like I didn't quite know it. Like, there's another thing called the Romans Road. If you've been around the church for a long time, you know there was a whole uh, amount of, there's a, actually, you can go through the process of reading certain verses in the book of Romans, and you can get people to fully understand the gospel. And so I was told one time by a, a family member, they're like, this is what I do. I write down the verse upside down, so when I'm showing them, I know which verse to turn to next. And I was like, that's a really good idea. But I, I felt like I could never remember all the verses. And, and so evangelism has been really scary. And I've said this before that, like, I'm, I'm oriented in a way where I really do like sharing my faith, but it's very selective in who it is. This is, I'm just being honest with you. Like, there's certain people where I'm like, I love engaging in, in conversations about, about worldviews and philosophy and history and, and trying to uh, maybe share, share why Christianity is a reasonable worldview and it, there's histori- historic evidence to support the resurrection of Jesus. Like, I, I love doing that, but then sometimes I'm also like, there's a lot of fear and anxiety that takes over when I start trying to engage in that process. And it's even worse with family members, isn't it? It's like, as soon as you start talking to family members, it's like, well, they know, they remember when I was nine, and even worse, when I was 13, and it keeps on getting worse until I started rounding things out about 24, right? And so there's a lot of anxiety that comes with with evangelism, and and I also know that um, it's awkward when you're just talking to people that you don't have a relationship with. Like, I have friends who, I've shared this before, they're like, they're like so excited about getting on an airplane. They're like, oh my gosh, Lord, will you please let me sit in the middle seat so that way when people come and sit next to me, I can share the love of Jesus with them. <laughs> you know? You know what I'm talking about? And then I'm like headphones in as soon as I can humanly get them in so I'm letting everybody know, don't sit next to me and don't talk to me. Right? Like, is there, is there anybody else that does that? It's like you just get them in, right? There's just, there's these things about evangelism that are, that are, that are scary. And, and I think that oftentimes because of, of the way that churches often think about evangelism and the gospel, we tend to put, we put a lot of emphasis on certain things and we ignore maybe some really practical way, ways to show our, share our faith. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. But before we talk about some of the practical ways to share our faith, I want us to read three passages of scripture really quickly and just think about how these, these, these scriptures should shape the way we think about the importance of sharing our faith, the value of sharing our faith, and some methodology on how to share our faith. So let's look at Scripture. So the first passage of Scripture we're going to look at is Matthew 28. This is where Jesus, after he's been crucified and resurrected, he commissions the church to what we call the Great Commission. That's what he says. Jesus came and told his disciples, 
I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. In other words, the entire scope of the world is the aim of God's mission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we are commissioned by Jesus himself to go and make disciples. What is a disciple? Well, Jesus defines it, someone who obeys the commands of Jesus. So that's the first passage of Scripture. So let's just put that right there. Next, I love this. This is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible, Colossians chapter 4. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you have the right response for everyone. And then finally, Peter says these words, he writes, and he says, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to explain the hope you have, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. So I think when you look at these three passages of Scripture, would you all agree that Jesus makes it clear that we are called to make disciples? If you're a follower of Jesus in this room, your calling, your responsibility, your commission is to actually make disciples. So that means you're sharing the gospel, sharing the message of Jesus, but also helping people understand how to live that out, how to live that out. We also see that we need to pray and be wise. We have to be thoughtful and be attractive in the way that we interact with people. Um, and we are commanded to be able to explain the hope we have. So there's some things here that we need to wrestle with. Um, now, here's the, here's the deal, though. This assumes that we understand what the gospel is. And the reality is that when you are faced with what is the gospel, and if you've ever had anybody ask that, you'll find that sometimes you, like, develop this, like, loss for words. Anybody ever have that happen? Have you ever had somebody ask you, like, why you're a Christian? And all of a sudden, it's like you forgot everything. And it's like you're maybe 42 years old, and you're like, because uh, I'm a pastor? Or and you're like, is that a good answer? Or perhaps, you know, you just all of a sudden have no way of formulating uh, a coherent idea about why you, why you follow Jesus. I think that many of us fit into this category, and I think a lot of it is because we have this assumption that we have to memorize like five points and get people to know those five points, and, and I want to do today is I want to talk about another way to think about sharing our faith, and I think it's more, more effective, but let's think about what is the gospel for just a moment. Uh, simple answer. If you asked somebody who's young, who goes to Sunday school or kids' church, what is the gospel? They might give you one of the best simple answers by saying, Jesus loves me, this I know, 
right? Like, would we all agree that that is definitely a very simple, coherent explanation of what the gospel is? And it's profoundly um, deep, really, the idea of God's great love. And so that's one way we can think about it. I think there's other ways to think about the gospel. Um, one, one friend of mine always reminds us that we are far more sinful than, we're, than we're willing to admit. How many of you agree with that? Like, we are way worse than we are willing to admit. Like, we're like, well, I'm like 25% bad. The rest of me is pretty good. But if, if we're honest, right, there's far more brokenness that each of us have And so he says that we're far more sinful than we're willing to admit, but God is far more gracious than we'll ever imagine. And that is another way to think about the gospel. Or, you know, when we think about the gospel, the good news, we can talk about the story of God, the story of Jesus. And that's where the Bible positions the gospel. And let's listen to this really quickly. Paul lays out what is the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And what he does here is he brilliantly names three things as part of the story of Jesus, okay? So he says, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and then you still stand firm in it. It is the good news, i.e. gospel, that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Listen to this. He says, I passed on to you what was most important. So this is central, this is primary. And what had also been passed on to me, Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12th and then by 500 people and then Paul. So we have right here the story of Jesus. And so I want to just encourage you to think about about sharing the gospel in a different way today. And it has to be connected to this idea of the story of the kingdom, the story of the king and the kingdom and how it connects to our lives as individuals and as a collective community. So before we do that, though, let's just acknowledge this. This is one of the reasons why I think we freak out a little bit about sharing our faith. It's like, why, why share the gospel? Well, when I was growing up, let me, let me tell you honestly what I was pretty much told. Uh, I was told of the importance of sharing the gospel because everybody's going to hell. Why are you laughing? But like, do any of you know what I'm talking about? It was like the central motivation was like, if you don't share the gospel with people, they're all going to hell and they're going to burn for eternity. And it was like, well, that's, that does not sound like a good weekend, Right? Like, and, I, and I thought about this a lot. I just don't think most people want to go to hell. Right? Is there, let's just check. Does anybody want to go to hell? Stand up right now. No, like the whole idea is like, oh my gosh, you know. But, but oftentimes if you fall into that as your primary only reason is because you want to just get people out of hell, sometimes I think we can come across not very authentic because we're just trying to check boxes and we're not, we're not actually trying to help people um, experience something that's the other, I think it's, it's a more compelling reason why we want to share the gospel. It's this. Jesus said that he came to give abundant life. Do you know that? In the gospel of John, he came to give abundant life. Now, just as a show of hands right now, how many would you say, I found Jesus, I met Jesus, and I have experienced grace and more abundant life? Anybody in the room? Okay, so one 
other primary motivation is that the reason why I want people to come to faith in Jesus is because I have discovered for myself, and there's a whole host of people in the community that I'm around, who would say that coming to know Jesus transformed their lives for the better. And so if we want to pursue human flourishing and we want to pursue hope for the world around us, we need to encourage people and invite people to experience the transformative power of the gospel and come to know Jesus. Amen? Yeah, that's like, that's the thing. But here's the cool thing about the early church. Because I do think that there is a, there is a cultural shift happening where we do not want to talk about the consequences of our actions. Are you with me? Like, it's like, hey, you can be naughty and you can do bad things, but there's grace. And that's true, but the reality is that there are consequences to brokenness and to sin. And you see it all around us in society. And so this is what I love about the early church is the early church did this beautiful job of keeping the tension between being motivated to share the gospel and the message of the kingdom because they wanted to help people escape the judgment to come, but they also were primarily motivated by love and wanting people to experience the transformative love of Jesus. And those two tensions right there have to, I think, be at work for us. And I, I, I know that that's, that's hard, though. That's sometimes very hard to have those tensions. But it's, it's the tension that the early church maintained, and it's also what we see in Scripture as we look at it deeply. So let's do this, though. Let's just, for the duration of this talk, let's talk about uh, five practical ways to share your faith. And I just want to share a couple different, different practical ways for you to be able to get engaged in sharing your faith in Jesus. Okay? And I think some of these things will actually combat the fear and the anxiety that you may have in sharing your faith with Jesus. But the first one is this. Do not underestimate your story. Like I think sometimes we think that our story is totally irremarkable and will not be compelling because we've all probably heard that person that gets up and says, listen, I used to steal cars. I was part of a gang. I killed 150 people. I also was simultaneously selling drugs, and I was a drug addict, and I was saved, and we're all like, oh my gosh, right? Do we not do that? We're all celebrating, like, yeah, our God is greater. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and then we're like, and then my, my story is like so irremarkable. I was like, yeah, my mom became a Christian as a young kid. It made me go to church for a very long time. And finally, I made a decision to follow Jesus. It's like pretty compelling. Yeah, exactly. Like, why is it any more less compelling? Because that's probably the case for a lot of people. You might feel like your story is totally unremarkable, but don't count it out. Here's why. There are people all around our community that are just like you, who, who are going through life, and maybe your story is that you were experiencing some brokenness in some relationships, and you were struggling, or maybe you had some drug or alcohol addiction issues, and, and Jesus entered into the story and redeemed it. I mean, the point is, is that your story is a story that can connect with people. I see it all the time. I really do believe this with all my heart. I believe with all of my heart that you are more effective. Your story is far more effective than my story. Because what people do when they hear pastors talk, and I know this, I know that you all do this, is you just discount it as the pastor thing. Well, like, oh, they're a pastor. Clearly, they have to do that. 
But when you share your story about how you were working a normal nine-to-five job or maybe you were working as a teacher or in a factory and you slowly started to discover grace and you came to faith, that is a compelling story, amen? It is, like, and that's one of the things that I love is I love hearing people share their story because what's so provocative about people's stories is how God enters into their stories and redeems those stories and brings them into a place of faith. Like, that is beautiful beyond words, isn't it? And so don't underestimate your story. I, I really want to encourage you to, to, to really think about how has Jesus changed your life? And when people are around you and you start to feel some sense of, of, of wanting, a de- having this desire or this nudge to share your faith, do not underestimate how Jesus has changed your life. And just share that because no one's going to be able to say to you, that's not true. Jesus did not change your life. Right? Like, no one's going to do that. Jesus changes your life. Share it with people. Number two, the second thing I want to say is be aware that the Spirit is at work and people all around us. This right here is probably one of the most important things that you could just completely buy into. Somewhere along the line when I was growing up, I became convinced that in order for people to come to faith because of anything I might do, I had to make the best arguments and have an answer for everything and that I would somehow usher people into the presence of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, every single time I'd get close to maybe sharing my faith, that anxiety would creep up and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I, I just don't know all the answers. I'm, I'm not going to be able to answer all their, all their questions. And so I'm just going to like, just wait until I can get it all figured out. But in that worldview, do you, do you see who is the central character of redemption? It's me. And it's you if you think that too. My world changed where one day I started to, to really think about this and wrestle with my understanding of the Holy Spirit's work in the world. And when I came to see that the Holy Spirit was at work all over and all around me, it totally changed the game. Because now all I'm trying to do is trying to recognize what God is doing and to partner with the Holy Spirit. And it's a completely different way of looking at sharing our faith. Because it's, it's leaning into the reality that there is not a human being alive that God does not love. There's not a human being alive that the Holy Spirit is not working in to draw them into a relationship with God. And the reason why I believe that is because when we stare at Scripture, we see that God is eager to be known, isn't he? He's eager to be known. He wants people to know him and to experience everlasting life in the present world that we live in. And so I think we really do need to, to live with this worldview that the Holy Spirit is at work. So like right now, think about the people that you really want to come to faith. Do any of you have a neighbor that you'd love to just see them come to faith in Jesus? No? That's great. <laughs> like, Jesus said to love our neighbors as ourselves, but we don't listen to that verse, right? But like if you have somebody in your life around you, whether it's a neighbor or a family member, or, a, or a, just somebody you know. Just think about this. What if you assumed that God was already at work in their life right now? What if, you, what if God is already 
working and, and other people are around that person planting seeds? What if they're going through circumstances that are, that are leading them up to a place of getting to a, a, a frame of mind where they come to a loss of words and ideas and they hit rock bottom in their life and they want to discover a way of life that can bring redemption? What if that's, what if that's happening? And all I'm saying is that it is. <laughs> It is totally happening in people's lives. He is at work in people's lives. Number three is I, I really want to encourage us to think about living intentionally towards God, God's mission. Um, and this is what I, I think I mean by that. Is this is, this is like being, being um, engaged in our community. Like forming relationships with people. Going Going back to places of business and becoming repeat customers is a way of living intentionally, right? Like, I remember um, when, I was, when I was, so I'm just going to be very honest with you. It is so hard sometimes for me to figure out the whole line between being a pastor and being a human. And what I mean by that is, like, I, I don't want people in my neighborhood to think that the only reason why I talk to them is because I want them to come to my church. So, like, my primary method for about 10 years of my life was, like, don't talk to those neighbors. <laughs> they'll be all weird. And I remember um, when we were in Wisconsin, uh, we were pastoring there. Um, Dawn, my, my wife, who, can we all agree that she's the nicest person ever? Yeah. She is. Yeah. I'm second, obviously, but... Uh, <laughs> No, like, she's so nice, and she had, she's so good at forming relationships with people. And so she'd be, like, hanging out with her neighbors, and they'd all be hanging out, and she'd be like, oh, you should come out. And I'd be like, no, I don't want to go over there and, like, make them feel like I'm only being their friend because I want them to come to our church. And, uh, and I realize how dumb that sounds now, by the way, just so you know. But it was like a real struggle because I, I just was like, oh, I just don't ever want to. It's just weird. I'm weird. I agree. I admit it. But I had this breakthrough when I realized that the whole point of Jesus coming in the incarnation was that he lived locally amongst people. He had uh, proximity with them, and he engaged in life with them. And that is what was a, a, a compelling message in and of itself, right? And so the way we live our lives in our, in our community, I think we need to be intentional, like, go back to certain businesses and form relationships with people. I think that's a good thing. Number four, uh, oops, number four is, um, I'm just going to do this. We're just going to skip it to it. Number four is, remember that people came to faith in different ways. Number four is, remember that people came to faith in different ways. So, what I mean by that is some people come to faith relationally. So, for instance, you know, you form a relationship with somebody, they start having coffee with you, they start talking to you about Jesus, and you slowly but surely come to faith, and then you make a decision to follow Jesus. Other people might come to faith because our church is doing some type of local outreach project, and they see us doing something, and they say, hey, I want to check that church out, and then they come and they experience grace. Are you with me? Like, People do it. There's a lot of different ways that people come to faith. And we need to recognize that and be willing to, to, to do all those things. We need to be willing to do all those things. Like, one thing that I think is really fascinating about church is how, um, and people in general, is how, like, you know, for some people, it's just taking the time to, to sit down with them and to talk about, about how God is, has, has changed you. Like, being willing to share that story and, 
and doing it a couple times, maybe even ask, answering some of the questions they have, like that can, be, that can be a really effective and compelling way to do that, right? But some people, like what they do is they come into a church space and they watch and they observe and they see what God is doing amongst us before they get to the point where they're open to that. I'll never forget um, about how I saw that happen in this one man's life because um, he like started attending our church and he literally told me the first time I ever talked to him, I was like, hey, nice to meet you. And he said, he said, hey, I'm just coming because someone invited me and you have coffee. And I was like, all right. And then I was like, we got to get that coffee to be better. <laughs> but like every single week, I'd go say hi to him and and he always had his cup of coffee, and he'd be like, yep, you know, just drinking my coffee. And, and he was very, like, clear that he did not buy into all this crazy stuff that we were doing, right? Like, he sat in the back, and you know how the back row people are always the most, you know, questionable. No, I'm just kidding. But it's like he'd be chilling back there and just watching and kind of like, okay, you know. And, and I remember, like, Three months, four months into him coming, every single Sunday, drinking his coffee and watching, he's watching all these different things happen. He, he came up to me and said, hey, I'd like to get together with you and talk. And I was like, all right, let's, let's get together and talk. And we sat down, we were having a cup of coffee together, and he's like, I, I, th I think I'm a Christian now. I think I'm a Christian. I was like, well, tell me your story. And so he, he started telling me how he started coming because he wanted a free cup of coffee Somebody had invited him, and he was watching to see how we lived our lives, and he was very fascinated. It's really interesting to talk to, like, a non-church person about what we do, because, like, just think about it from a non-church perspective. We're literally all standing here singing karaoke songs, like, for real. Like, there, he was like, I didn't understand, like, you were staring at the screen, and you were saying those words, and, you know, it was just a little awkward, and, and he says, but this is what happened is I saw all these different people's lives being changed over the course of three months. And so I think I became a Christian. And I said, so what makes you think that? He's like, well, I think that Jesus lived on this earth. I think he was a real person. I think he was sinless. I think he was God. I think he was crucified on the cross for my sins. And he was raised from the dead. And I was like, yeah, you're a Christian. That's definitely what a Christian is. You are a Christian. And that happened over the course of, of time, though. So think about how people don't always just make a decision the first time you share your faith with them, right? And that's why I think we need to approach this whole concept of sharing our faith in a very relational manner. We have to be very relational. Which brings me to the fifth thing, is I think this is so true, is that people are always one invitation away from encountering God. So think about that, that man. Somebody invited him to have a cup of coffee. But what happened probably to the 30 or 40 other invitations before that? He just wasn't at that point of being open to it. And maybe you're here this morning and somebody invited you to the vineyard. And maybe they invited you multiple times, but you, you finally came. And this is what we're trying to do, I think, as a church community, is create spaces where people are invited into those spaces so they can who? Meet who? Jesus, right? They can encounter Jesus. They can, they can enter into a discipleship process and grow in their faith. Amen? Amen. And so I, I just want to tell you, like, the way that you can share your faith is to just, to just to build relationships, 
Start sharing how Jesus has made a difference in your life. And, and I think invite people. Like, invite people to different, different things, different events, different spaces, different places. And you will see the kingdom of God do some amazing things. Let's stand up together. We're going to have a few minutes of prayer in a moment here, but um, there's, this, there's this really popular saying amongst certain folk in the church. And it's a quote from St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis of Assisi was this really, really influential early church person. And the, the quote is this, Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. And doesn't that sound really good? Like, that lets you off the hook, doesn't it? Like, we're like, oh, man, that is, and I have seen this shared my whole entire life. Like, oh, well, St. Francis of Assisi said this. Here's what's interesting. St. Francis of Assisi never, ever said this statement. Never made that statement. St. Francis of Assisi was a preacher. And I think the sentiment, though, behind statements like that is that oftentimes it feels like we preach or we share a message, but our, our lives don't match, and that's a problem. Amen? But we do need to share words. People can't come into a relationship with Jesus or have an awareness of the gospel if we don't use words, right? And so I want to I encourage you to really think about how the story of God you know, the whole idea of Jesus' life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the whole kingdom story. I want, you, I want you to really think about how that connects to your life. And so you need to be able to tell that story, but then also you need to be able to answer that question of how has God made a difference in your life? What has Jesus done in your life and what has he been at work doing? And if you can just share those things with people around you, I'm telling you right now, you will be surprised to see how God can just breathe life onto those words and people will begin to have a hunger for God's kingdom and you can see people come to experience the everlasting life that we have in our lives too. Let's go ahead and pray. And we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to be here and to, to minister to us for just a few moments here. And so if you're... If you're willing to just close your eyes and to posture your hearts before the Lord just to hear from him, let's just create more space for that right now. As, uh, as Luke was sharing um, today, and you guys can just keep your heads bowed and just, you know, just really ask God what he wants to share with you guys today. Um, when he was talking today, he was, he was just emphasizing on how much God loves you as an individual. And so something that... Um, Thing that really spoke to me was that um, 
how some people in this room really need to really press into that and truly understand that Jesus does love you. God loves you. Um, and that he does want you to share your story with others. And um, I would just ask you guys to pray for opportunities this week, next week, with your families, your coworkers. Pray for opportunities that you can share just a little glimpse of who God is in your life, who God created you to be, how you came to be a, a follower of Jesus. It's a journey. You're never, ever going to um, get to that point until we uh, spend eternity with him. Um, so one thing that I wanted to pray for is that um, you would just start believing that God truly loves you and that your story does count. Another thing I wanted to pray is that, um, that God would give you a desire to share the gospel with people around you. And I believe that the Spirit um, is moving in our lives and in us individual, individually. And I just pr want to pray for courage for you to share your story with people. And also, in every single relationship that we have, we have communication with people, right? It's a friendship. And that's what our relationship with Jesus is, too. It's a friendship. It's an ongoing communication. So those are the few things that I wanted to pray for today. Before, before Don prays, um, so I kind of heard three things. Um, I think the Lord is wanting us to press into... Um, courage like some of you just need to be more courageous to have <clears throat> more boldness um, another um, was wisdom because it's definitely we live in a world where we need more wisdom and when it comes to sharing our faith and then thirdly I had a sense of um, I just felt like responding to the Colossians text is that we we need to pray that we can be winsome and attractive not in a manipulative way, but just I think sometimes we maybe are not aware of how attractive and how winsome our own story is. And so if you connect with e either one of those three things, courage, wisdom, or wanting to be able to um, communicate the attractiveness or the winsomeness of the story of Jesus, I'm going to have Don pray for you. But if, if that's you, one of the things we love doing in the vineyard is because we do not believe in a separation between the physical world and the spiritual world but that the biblical worldview is that both of those things are important and matter. Oftentimes the way we worship is not just in our hearts and in our minds, but also with our, our bodies. We're embodied worshipers. And so we like to always um, encourage people, if you want to just lift your hands just like I'm doing right now, and it's a way for us just to posture our hearts and to say, yes, Lord, I want to receive from you. But if you want any one of those three things, courage, wisdom, and attractiveness in your ability to share the gospel. Um, we're just going to do that. And Don, would you just pray for those, those three things for us? Yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for today. And I pray as we um, go about our, the rest of our day and our new week, Lord, Lord, I just pray for opportunities to arise in every single area in our life 
where we need to respond to obedience and have courage, Lord. I pray for a supernatural courage to take place in our lives, whether we're at school, at our jobs, with our family, neighborhood, whatever it is, Lord. I pray that for courage. And I pray for the words to say to people in our, in our community, in our surroundings, Lord. We want to be able to be obedient and respond to what, um, what you want us to do. And I just pray that um, you would just love on every single person here, Lord, as well as people who are watching, Lord. And we thank you so much for this. Amen. Folks, have a great week this week. <clears throat> we'll be praying for you. Um, feel free to hang out. There's coffee out in the foyer, and we'll see you next Sunday uh, at the same time. God bless you.